when there are events that happen, such as all your laptop crashes or you get fired from a job or maybe you have an automobile accident. These are the kinds of things that uh, we could call an event that when people are practicing, this is a real opportunity. And yet you uh, don't quite understand it that way. So one of the things that you can uh, practice on, let me give you this example first. The old, old Thai man had been going to this temple for his whole life. He was a monk, he was ordained there, and later he intends to ordain again. And he is uh, all uh, equivalent of a deacon. He's got his hand in the uh, uh, the physical or the money pie of the what? In other words, he's deeply involved with it. A new monk comes to stay there, and he and the monk gets into an argument. This old man is wise enough when he goes home to make sure that he does not think about that monk. But in the course of that, he also decides he's not going to think about the Watt at all. He's going to throw the Watt completely out of his mind. When he goes back to the Watt, he'll go back to the Watt, but he's not going to go back to the Watt or think about the Watt at all. And so he gets it out of his mind completely. This is what I would refer to then as a not-to-do list or a not-to-go-there list. And so, for example, if someone loses their job, then the days and, and weeks after that, they will think about, oh, I've got to go get another job, or they were bad to me, or... Uh, I'm a little bit pissed off at what happened and all of that kind of thought. So there's an entire world of negative feelings and negative thoughts that can arise <clears throat> in regard to the whole world of work, especially if there's been uh, a turmoil at this moment. And so um, not just for a sitting practice, but for all the time. You can recognize that any time that the thoughts about that old boss or the job or what am I going to do next, any time any thoughts come up that way, there's going to be associative feelings that come up too. Feelings of fear, feelings of anger, feelings of sadness, feelings of regret, feelings of um, the whole range of them, in fact, can be there. And all of them are physical and all of them pump chemicals into the body that are associated with fight and flight. Now, 10,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, if somebody fired you, you just pick up an ax and go to war right there with them. That's what happened back then. We were very violent species. We still are. But now in our socializations, we're, we're uh, told, oh, don't be violent physically. But we still are quite violent in our own mind. And because of that violence in the minds, giving uh, uh, all the chemicals that we need in the body to be violent, and then we refrain from violence physically, means that now we've got a lot of junk and poisons in the body. People can make themselves stressed and become sick with stress. And what is the stress? The stress is worrying about the job. 
and people get all sure. stressed out sure. about the job, okay? So I would recommend for you and everybody else that I know is to put whatever job you have on your don't do that list so that any time that you figure out that you're thinking about the job, any time any thoughts come up about that job, any visual images that just flash, okay, a visual image of the desk that we sit at or the visual image of the door or the picture of the building or a face of the boss, any kind of visual images that flash or anything like that, we could catch that and say, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to sit here and practice wholesome thoughts instead. Now, it may be that these things are tough and they reoccur and they reoccur and they reoccur and keep coming back, but that just gives you more opportunity to flex that sati muscle. You say, oh, I can get rid of it again. And we never want to, uh, to lower ourselves into the opinion or the attitude of, of the loser of poor me, or I might as well go ahead and think about it because I want to think about it. Instead, we want to take that strong determination to put that skin in the game, as you and I have talked about, and say, I am not going to think about that job. I am going to think about what's happening right now. That's what is important. And so we keep dragging the mind out of that past because that's, that's gone now. It's over. So, Whatever has happened, it's over. Yeah, so a couple comments. So one is, um, you know, it's interesting because I felt very confident today. You know, I felt like, you know, it's okay that this happened. I'm going to get through it. It's, mm -hmm. I'll find something else. You know, I'll find something Those are better. All, right. Those are all wholesome thoughts. Those are the kinds of thoughts to have. Yes. And I was even walking down the street. I had a very interesting moment that happened today. You know, so I was walking my dog. We're walking down the street in here in New York. And I'm just thinking, you know, I do not feel at all bad about that you know i feel like it's all going to be okay you know i will find something better i feel confident i feel self-assured you know and then i came to an intersection and there was a guy out in the middle of the intersection yelling and protesting about george floyd you probably heard about this in, in the u.s and he's doing a whole protest i think there are a few other people there involved several other people and there was a big police presence there and they were warning him, you know, you're obstructing the road. If you do not leave the road, we will arrest you. Please leave the road. They said it several times, and he would not leave. And mm -hmm. so, they, so they then went and arrested him. And I thought to myself, you know, it's really kind of amazing to see someone that so believes in what they're doing. They have so much skin in the game and what they believe in here that they are willing to get arrested you know, for the sake of their beliefs. And I thought, I hope whatever my next job is that I feel as passionately about it that I would get arrested for it like this person, you know. And that was kind of an interesting moment. So I, I thought I'd share that. There's one other interesting thing, and this is kind of tangentially related, but, you know, I think one reason the job didn't work out um 
you know, that I noticed about myself, and this I think kind of has something somewhat to do with my practice, actually. Um, and I mean my practice over the long term, the long haul, you know, since mm-hmm. before I met you, you know, just my practice in general is this job is the kind of job where they would want me to devote my entire life to it, you know, like, like no free time, you know, like 12 hour days, you know, like lots of events, this and that. And I don't feel that way about work. You know, I like to just sit back and do some stuff and then, you know, go to the gym, walk the dog, talk to you, you know, talk to Mm -hmm. my friends, see my friends, family, call my mom, you know, I like a more balanced life. Gordon Gecko would not approve. He wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. And so I feel a little bit detached, you know, and it's funny because I see other people in the company that some, some of them really get into it. They really, they'll do the 12 hour days, you know, they'll do the, the, you know, the, the nine to nine instead of the nine to five, you know, and I'm just not like that. I just don't want to do that. You know, like that is just not my thing. You know, maybe if I felt like that, you guy say in the street, it this way, instead of yeah. saying it, I'm not like that. Perhaps a more precise thing to say is I can see through that. Yes. Yes. I, I see through it. Exactly. And, and I see these people, you know, in the rat race, you know, and they're just, it seems like an unhappy thing, you know, and I don't want that, you know, and, and like, I'm that like, I see culture. that in that? fact, it seems like what is the, which came first, the chicken or the egg did uh, the movie Wall Street happen because of Reagan? Or did Reaganism go south because of the mentality that that movie had? But something happened in the 1980s. And before that, uh, we had things like unions and 40-hour work weeks and all kinds of stuff like that. But now because of the changes in the laws and whatnot like that, especially uh, plugging in insurance and how many hours you've got to work before you get insurance and that kind of stuff has really made the game complicated. So that instead of having uh, people work at 40 hours a week, they would rather people work for 75 and 80 hours a week and have fewer staff. Yep. Then have uh, uh, people that 40 hours a week and have to pay them. They would rather have some staff that work for 29 hours a week and everybody else working at 80 hours a week. And that's where it's most profitable for the companies. They want right. that. They're going to make money out of you. This is, in fact, what Karl Marx was all against, that many people, because of uh, Carl got a really, really black eye several times, but the point that he was making um, was that if people get together in a small community or collective of skills and form their own company, then each individual member of that will much more likely get full value for his time. But if you have someone who comes and hires all of the people in that group, then that guy's going to do that in the sense that he's going to get wealthy 
and all of the other people are going to get less than what they deserve. Right. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, in this job, you know, like there would be some event, some company event, you know, like a development session or whatever, learning session, this and that. And everyone would, would have to go, you know, and you would see if someone had to leave for some reason, they'd write a very polite comment like this was such a great session. Thanks so much for having me at the session. Wow, Donald Trump is at your office too, huh? Exactly. And and I'm just thinking this is just a bunch of bullshit. You know, like this is a waste of my time. This is not improving my life. It's it's you know and and you know and, and it's but like these are all the kind of wise decisions that a young man like you makes once they get in interested in the Dhamma. That in fact this is the whole point that the Buddha was making about uh, the four requisites. The four requisites are just enough food, just enough housing, just enough clothing, and just enough medical attention. Now surprisingly enough, most people in the United States either don't have enough of one of those things and there's a whole other group of people who have way too much of all of those things. Sure. And that every one of us is told, oh, the more the better, the bigger the house, the better, and, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And so this is where the greed has come in. In fact, greed and capitalism are the same thing. So when when we talk about a capitalistic society, that just means that people are going to want to work hard if they can get well rewarded for it, right? Even if that reward is 90% of that reward actually should have gone to other people. Sure. Well, not you, okay? So this is what's happened. And you can see the disparity of the people in top management are making more and more percentage of the money while the workers are making less and less. And this is capitalism. And well, yeah. And that's what that's the society that you live in. Okay, there's there's two solutions to that problem. One solution uh, is the one that's the most effective uh, in a big way, but it's still ordinary. And that solution is collective, unions, voting, uh, people working together so that uh, the power of the workforce is greater than the power of the boss. That's one way to do it. That's Karl Marx's method. And then there's the Buddha's method. That Buddha's method is to take a hike, walk away. If you have, and a lot of people say, oh, I can't do that because I'm afraid. The fear is, in fact, is what keeps people uh, from walking away from a bad situation because their fear is, is that things will get worse if I take a hike. And things generally don't get, get worse. What gets worse is unwholesome thinking. That's what gets worse. Things are just things. <laughs> and so when they say things will get worse, what they're saying is I will be in a worse and worse mental state 
if I lose this job. Sure. But when you already have the Dhamma, then you can say, wait a minute, my mental state has nothing to do with how things are, including what kind of job that I have. That the job itself is less important, and my time being happy throughout the day is now more important. That I'd rather sure. be a happy poor man than a miserable rich man, and not very many people in the West even understand that as a possible concept. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Okay, yeah. but the Buddha also talks about it, and the and the uh, uh, psychology knows this too. And that is that there is a ground floor, and there's a lot of people who in in uh, uh, New York and uh, other places that are normally would can be considered homeless, but they're homeless not from their own design and their own understanding. They're homeless because of the circumstances. And they don't like those circumstances at all. So they do not see homelessness as freedom. They see it as extra burden and extra bondage. And so we have Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Or they're mentally ill or something like that. Well, what is mental illness other than feeling bad a lot of the time? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, drug addiction, you know, a lot of them are drug addicts, a lot of them are schizophrenic or something like that, you know. Well, what um, is schizophrenic other than scatterbrained? What the word yeah, means. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> sure. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to note that. Okay. But yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let us put it this way. With, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and admit some of it. Uh, for two years, I was a psychiatric aide at the state hospital in South Carolina, working with schizophrenics. I also did a practicum when I was in psychology at Ypsilanti State Hospital. Also, my family ran a rest home in uh, North Carolina, family care home, and the government of North Carolina uh, started warehousing uh, mental patients with the elderly. Not a good idea, causing murders and all kinds of other things, but we did wind up the whole house full of nutcases rather than. So I've been around uh, people who have been in the position of needing care and getting a little. So what you're talking about is people who were needing care and didn't get any at all. Yeah. Uh, Now, in every case that I know of, it had to do with two things. One would be the level of intelligence they have because some people are just slow. And the other one has to do with bad feelings. And when you put those two things together, I know uh, one example of a woman who was uh, labeled as schizoaffective. And her whole point was is really that she was just retarded. And they had her listed as schizoaffective, which is basically the same thing as borderline schizophrenia. But schizoaffective means that she behaves as if she was schizophrenic, but in fact does not have any of the brain chemistry that's associated with schizophrenia. So this uh, uh, schizoaffective is a very interesting uh, point. Uh, and I see a lot of people misdiagnosed and giving uh, drugs that are heavier. Generally, when someone is diagnosed, the higher 
more severe the diagnosis is, then the easier it is for the therapist to get away with no cure. Sure. And so they often will put people under classifications that um, are not really appropriate, thinking that we can solve the problem with drugs. And really, the problem can be solved with a change of mental attitude. That's what's needed. If if that guy uh, that you were talking about was uh, talking about George Floyd at the top of his lungs, if he were doing it happily, he would probably have gotten a bigger bigger audience. And when the cops uh, told him to get out of the street, he would just gotten out of the street. He'd have gone down to the middle of the next block and gone in the middle of the street there. Wait for the cops to come. Okay. So we're not talking about a mental, you see, in the West, we have an idea that there is normal people and there are crazy people. And my answer to that is yes, but the normal people are less than one point or zero, zero point one percent. And everybody else is crazy. The only question is, how crazy are they? Okay. Are they are they uh, uh, normal enough to understand that all they need is just enough, just enough food, just enough housing, just enough? And this is kind of a wise way of looking at it. To where the the people who are nuts are the ones who want more and more and more and more and more. Sure. And, okay. You know, so this yeah. is wisdom for you: is to understand that you'll be fine if you uh, go for just enough. An example of that is is that um, uh, here in Thailand and with lifestyle, I can live quite adequately on, uh, and have money left over every month on Social Security. And yet in, social, in the United States, Social Security is kind of like a, uh, a, a blow of poverty. Right? So it's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of uh, uh, lifestyle uh, and uh, uh, wise choices. Because there's most, most places in the United States I wouldn't want to live for various reasons. Most of it has to do with how much greed there is there. The more greed, the less likely to be happy there. So New York's not a good place for greed. Texas is not a good place. It's full of greed. <laughs> so anyway, um, back to the point about the, the four requisites, because this is a good time for you to start thinking about it. How can you pare down so that you don't have to worry about income? If you don't have to worry about income, then your choices of uh, employment is greatly expanded. Right. And this is something that is quite useful for you to understand that you can get by quite easily on a whole lot less. Sure. I mean, yeah, so multiple things on that. Um, so one is, you know, it's funny to one more point on the, the company and all of this and working us very hard, et cetera, um, is, you know, like, you know, people would get so into it, you know, and 
And part of me would think, like, you're really getting into this so much so you can make a few people rich. You know, that's, that's like, the entire purpose of your, your life right now is trying to yeah, make your whole life people. is If your life is working, then your life is dedicated to making somebody else wealthy. Yes, and that just seems like an empty life to me. So that's that. But it's because that you're beginning to see that. That's wisdom. Yes, it is. It is empty. Yeah, it is. It's it's totally empty. And you know, and and I would say too, you know, on the side of paring down, you know, it's hard because you know, as a young man, you know, I'd like to have a family, you know, a nice wife, you know, all of this, you know. Um, and I feel like having a good career is like a really important. And go marry a rich girl and move in. Not, uh, you know, I mean. Who knows? Maybe that could happen, but not the most likely of events, you know. But it's uh, depends yeah. upon how much skin you got in the game. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, it 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 does feel like uh, yeah, like a uh, like a challenge. But I guess you're you're right in the sense that. Um, you know, maybe I'm blowing that out of proportion, you know, mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, I've been around enough to meet four or five of them. And so I understand the nature of what is called the Jewish American princess. <laughs> in fact, I'm still friends with one, but she's no longer a princess. She's in her sixties and she, <laughs> No, she's a queen. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. no. She's still a princess. Mm-hmm. It would be actually good if she would grow up and become the queen. Hmm. But this this uh, whole system of a Jewish American princess, what I'm getting at is is that it has its own set of issues. And that one of the ways that I take the approach when working with young men as students is to not set down rules or anything about this is how to do it or you should go this way or whatnot like that, but to begin to point out things to look at. And one of the things to look at in this is how much suffering, how much dukkha is there in this relationship game thing, and also going back to the uh, to the point of the cost benefit analysis. What is the cost, and what is the benefit? Uh, uh, this is actually directly related to the teaching of the Buddha when he's talking about the gratification, the danger, and the escape. And the escape is actually kind of in, important. Uh, then, in fact, I can see on uh, uh, Reddit, they will sometimes ask questions like, which is a better, the acceptance or the escape? And these just don't understand. I mean, if you go on an analogy, okay, you have just fallen into a sewer. Is it better for you to accept the fact that you've fallen into the sewer, or do you want to escape from the sewer? Okay, 
And a lot of people say, oh, well, I've been taught that Buddhism is about all about acceptance. I don't ever remember the Buddha ever using a word about acceptance. Right. He talked a lot about escape. And right. escape means you've got to have skin in the game. Okay, so the uh, backing up, normally what we do is we get involved with things. We actually put the skin in the game when we recognize that we get some sort of benefit or gratification. And, sure. and in fact, almost everything you do, you do it because you have already had the experience of getting some gratification from it, or you're expecting being gratified for it. Even the practice of Anapanasati, there is seeking of gratification, looking for right. things we like and trying to get away from things we don't like. Okay, so. Uh, where wisdom comes in is when we begin to investigate the things that we uh, find gratification in. And with that investigation, we begin to see the dangers. And once we see the dangers, then we can plot our escape. But we have to be able to see the dangers therein. Okay, so you have when, to know the sewer to be able to escape it. Right, you got to know that you're in the sewer to escape it, and better still, you got to know sewers before you jump into them. Right. But the only reason to really know a sewer is because you've been in and you got out, and now you don't go back in. That's the way of looking at it. Is you said once you get into a sewer, we need to figure out that hey, this place is dangerous. Sure. And when we recognize the danger, then we can find the escape. In no place do I know of that uh, is the word acceptance in the suttas. And I find that very strange that this whole concept of, in Western Buddhism has come to um, acceptance. So one can say, okay, well, I got fired from my job. I can accept that. But in fact, they're not accepting it because they keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. If you actually could accept it, the really right thing to do is just throw it out of the mind completely and, and stay in really wholesome thoughts. So next point on the line, you were talking about um, uh, needing a job so that you can um, have a family and all of that. Okay, well, if you can begin to see that that's merely seeking gratification, and it's the same gratification seeking that we have been um, kind of taught in our society, that that's the right way to do it. You can't go have, you can't rent a girl, you got to buy one is basically the whole <laughs> religious thing. And in the old days, that was exactly what did happen. In the sense that, uh, uh, that a marriage was a business deal, business arrangement between two old men. Between the father of the bride and either the groom, an old man, or the, groom, uh, or the, uh, the father of the groom, the young man, and these two old men make a business deal. Uh. And... And so the, uh, the business deal is so much gold for so much girl. Now, the, the gold can be counted in advance. 
but we're not quite sure about the girl. And so you have all of this morality and mores built up over, uh, um, uh, we don't want her, we want her pure so that she has neither STDs nor a baby in the, in the, uh, the deal. Right. And so this is where uh, marriage actually came from in the first place. And you can see that actually marriage is, is an institution is falling apart in the West. Yes. And then, in fact, the only thing that kept marriage going was um, uh, sanctions and legal stuff from either a religion or a government. Here's something very interesting. When California changed their uh, divorce laws back in the 1950s to allow divorce e much more easily, the murder rate dropped in half. Well, wow. That's a statistic that uh, when I heard, I used over. That's, that's an old statistic that's well known, that the divorce uh, was very hard to get. And, and in fact, on another level, uh, look at all of the historical significance of the fact that the Pope at the time would not allow uh, and Henry VIII to annul a marriage. Right. And all it was is just a high five, or yeah, you're annulled, and that's all there is to it, because Henry couldn't get that annulment. The Catholic Church lost all of that property in England. Starting right. of, uh, of the Anglican Church and all kinds of stuff, okay? So this is how it goes with this issue of ownership and control uh, that is associated with, with marriage. And that uh, it's socially unacceptable, either for a very short time or a middle arrangement, uh, to rent. That you've got to go purchase. You've got to go get married or whatnot like that. And so many people think that marriage itself is a commitment. Where in fact, nowadays, there's many, many reasons to get married. But very few of those good reasons to get married have anything to do with the traditional reasons at all. An example is a girl wants to stay in this country. And so she finds a local boy and they get married and it doesn't matter whether they stay married or what the marriage is or not, because we're talking about that the government has thought that marriage was important. Where in fact, governments would probably be better off if they stayed out of marriage altogether and just had individual income taxes. Those uh, uh, married uh, things were done in the 1950s as a reaction to the society where women were supposed to stay at home and men went to work. That's no longer the case, so there's no real reason to have uh, marriage uh, uh, anything at all. To just repeal every law on every book in every state about marriage. Uh, you know, just eliminate divorce. Just eliminate marriage. Just have a decree. Anybody that you were married to, we don't need you to change your lifestyle or do anything different. Is we just don't care whether you're married or not anymore. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, 
You don't, uh, you don't want to live together. Don't live together. You don't have to come to me, the, 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 the judge, for me to figure anything out. You got to go figure it out for yourselves. So, Damarato, I'm getting quite tired. I think I need to hit the hay. Um, okay. But, well, let's, but, let's, let's finish this. Uh, just finish up a little bit on this. Sure. And that is that um, the important thing then with this is to recognize that a lot of the stuff that we have in relationship stuff has to do with culture and supposed to rules, rituals. You probably got some women in your family who want you to get married and have kids. Yep. All right. But you can also begin to see the dangers in it. Begin to look at what's really, really going on because, in fact, uh, you could have complete freedom. And this is what the Buddha was on about. He wasn't against sex. What he was for was this tied up, this bondage. To have freedom. And so uh, this is always not just with relationships and sex and whatnot like that, but those three points about to see the gratification that we have always been looking at, but now we're seeing it as just gratification. And now, through investigation, we're going to see the dangers in that. So the same thing about the gratification of hating the boss who just fired you, that's quite gratifying. Until we recognize the danger is, is that I feel unhappy and uncomfortable while I'm angry. Right. And therefore, I can drop that anger. Okay, well, we can do the same thing if I really want that girl and want that girl and want that girl. I'm just making myself miserable. Uh Because I don't have what I want. Uh Okay, so now we begin to understand that, wait a minute. Maybe it would be better if I only wanted things that were easily available. Right. And if I want only things that are easy available, my life is going to be so easy. <laughs> so easy. Sure, sure. It's when I want hard things is that uh, the life becomes hard. So keep track of that and look at the danger. We can also look at it in the sense with businesses, we call it a cost-benefit analysis. Before, all we saw was the gratification. We did not see, we could only see the benefit. We did not see the cost. Once we begin to see what the real cost of these things are, the, uh, the benefit becomes diminished. And we find that we want instead an escape. So... One of the ways of looking for that escape is by recognizing you can, in fact, get along with just a little, just enough clothing, just enough food, just enough shelter, just enough transportation, just enough whatever it is. The Buddha had four, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa added a five, and I'm going to add a six. Okay? Just enough food, just enough shelter, just enough um, medication. Just enough clothing. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa said, just enough entertainment. And I'll add the sixth one, just enough transportation. And when we have those things, we got all we need. So, 
this is where we'll leave it now. We'll leave it with just enough is the, is the way of looking at it. Because wanting more than just enough is, is dangerous. Cool. All right, well, we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, we'll talk soon. And uh, thank you very much. See you. See you soon. Take care. Bye.